Black Kaiju Network, where we have a very healthy obsession with Kaiju. I am your co-host. Kenton with me is your other co-host. Jason, but uh, someone doesn't look too enthused right now. <laughs> so for those of you who are listening to the audio version of this, I opened up our podcast here just a few moments ago with both palms over my face. And for those of you who have listened to our previous episode talking about the first half of the Ultra 7 TV series, will know why I would have my palms over my face. Um, we are here to cover the 14 episodes after that point. In fact, when we concluded that episode, I, was, I had covered one or two more episodes than Jason had at that point because I had miscounted. I thought this series ran 54 episodes instead of 49, so I ran like one or two episodes longer than Jason did. So here we are. We're covering the next 14 episodes after the midway point. We have decided that we will conclude our coverage of Ultra 7 on uh, April, hold on, calendar, April 23rd, next month. Right. So, I'm just going to come right out and say it. This is a series that I think was very surprising to us in terms of how... I don't know what other word to use other than this, how painful this series has been to us. Jason uh, has said it's been about a decade for him since he saw this series. For me, it's been closer to about seven. And we both realized as we started going through this series initially, and we talked about this in our previous discussion here about a month ago, that our memories were a bit distorted as far as what we thought the series was. Um, I, I can't speak for Jason, but at least speaking for myself, I take no pleasure in being overly critical about something like this. I don't. And I had talked about that in the last episode. I am seeing it now for this. I may even say the same next month when we conclude this series. We'll see. Um, just the way things are going, I think it's not going to be a bit surprised to me how things are going to end up. And so my sort of heads up thing to everybody if you are a fan of this series okay and maybe you missed us the first time around and you're just listening to us now most of what we're going to say is going to be very critical of the series it may be the same next month we'll we'll find out definitely last month it was very critical yeah if you, if you haven't watched that I probably would at least suggest watching that beforehand and the thing is if you love this series i would just simply recommend that you skip this whole coverage that we're doing um but here's the thing and i'm gonna take a moment to pat our podcast on the back and i know that sounds very narcissistic and all that but we're not being paid by anyone we do this uh, out of just sheer love for, for this genre 
one of the things that I pride our podcast in is that I have found ourselves to be, I, I in my opinion, more honest mm-hmm. about certain things. That's not to say that other podcasts are dishonest about other things, but I have found that more podcasts that cover the kaiju tokusatsu genre tend to play the line right for fandom meaning that they will like what the general fandom likes and dislike what the general fandom dislikes and i have found very few instances in which most other kaiju tokusatsu related podcasts deviate from that Mm -hmm. and we have always been a podcast that sort of when appropriate deviated from that for example we have been a podcast that has more times than not praise the 98 Godzilla film. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have been a podcast that really disliked the, the Shin Godzilla movie. And we're not doing that to be contrarian. We're not. That's nope. totally what we think about said films, said properties. And like I said, we don't get a dime from this. You guys don't get any advertisements. You guys get... There's, there's nothing on here that would suggest that we get paid for this. We don't. We, we do this of our own volition and because just, we like this stuff. Yeah, we mainly have done it for fun ever since we started doing this we podcast back in 2010. We spend money to put this out. We're losing money over this, actually. We're getting nothing back from this. Mm-hmm. Okay? So one of the things that gets me a lot of times in fandom is when the fandom at large tends to side with a majority, either because certain individuals that are very prominent within fandom think a certain way, or a majority of people within the fandom think a certain way, therefore said people that may be on the fence end up thinking like the majority. I'm going to come out here and say, look, that's not who we are. And when it comes to Ultra 7 in particular, and again, if you listen to our previous podcast on covering the first half of the series, you will pretty much know what's coming next. But for those that do not, after covering another 14 episodes, I have come to the conclusion that this series is unsalvageable. Mm -hmm. That is not to say every episode is terrible. Because it's not true. And in fact, here in a little while, when we start kind of going through some of the episodes, you will hear both of us give some compliments and some good reviews on certain episodes. But one of the things that I have found most baffling about Ultra 7 (laughs) is that... I find Ultra 7 unique. There are so many different ways I could approach this because I find this to be a very unique um, example of sort of something that is not only loved, but so bafflingly worse than what it should be. And probably sort of mismanaged a little bit as far as um, some of the scripts, but I know when we talked about it um, a month ago that uh, 
one of the uh, big pieces as to why uh, the last series was so successful, the original Ultraman, was that uh, Superman himself was sort of, you know, basically involved with uh, the story and the scripts and everything of that sort. We're at and I think he was uh, teamed up. I forget the the name who's uh, mainly doing the whole story setup for this series, whereas Super Raya was um, non-existent uh, or didn't even touch the whole story. And I think this is uh, right around, I think about right around the time before he passed away. If I remember correctly, because I brought out my August Rigoni book. Uh, yeah, that's right. On Super Riot, and I think we found out just as we were getting ready to end that last episode that actually Super Riot had more of a hand in it than we thought he had. Here's the thing about Ultra 7. I, as someone who watches a lot of TV shows, especially with his wife, this is something that we do an awful lot in our free time. Most nights when the kids are in bed, we find some sort of TV series that we want to spend time with. And typically when you start a new TV series, it's pretty rough around the edges for the first handful of episodes. Because even then, they're still on some level trying to figure out what they are, what they represent, what they want to be. And then after the first, you know, pick your number, anywhere from the first four to five, six, seven episodes, they begin to find their footing. And then the typical formula for what that series is about continues all the way until it concludes. One of the numerous problems with Ultra 7 is that it still refuses to figure out what it is. Mm -hmm. Or it has decided that, but chose the wrong path. And as a result, the writing and everything else around it, minus the effects, suffer as a result. Mm -hmm. And this has always been a problem, uh, I think, for Ultra 7. This is a series to me, and I've concluded this, because at this point, since we're covering now up through episode 39, we are like two-thirds of the way through the series. Mm-hmm. I have begun to realize that I truly believe they attempted to target both the adult and child demographics. And as I stated in our last discussion about the first half of this series, and as I've said in other episodes of this podcast, when you have a movie or a TV series that tries to placate to an incredibly wide range of an audience, 99 times out of 100, you're going to fail. Mm-hmm. Because it's so difficult as a writer to write stories that will speak to your younger audience but not talk down to them, while at the same time providing substance to the older audience and not making it seem childish and absurd to them and 
for those who have been around and either uh, listened to our Gamma the Brave podcast or what have you, from that point all the way up to now, I have said that particular movie, out of the thousands of movies I've seen, I'm not saying it's the only movie, I'm not saying that, but out of the thousands of movies that I've seen, that film has been the only piece of film media, meaning movies and television series, that I have found that exceptionally succeeded at straddling that horse that is making sure you are entertaining your younger audience by not talking down to them as well, while at the same time providing entertainment and substance for your older audience at the same time. If you have not seen Gamera the Brave, I highly suggest you go and check that movie out. In my opinion, that is the best Gamera movie ever. It is one, if not the best movie I have seen so far, that has been able to straddle that horse that tries to satisfy both the younger and the older audiences. This series fails more times than not because it tries to straddle that horse. Mm -hmm. And not only that, not only because of what it's attempting to do in terms of the audience it's trying to reach, the other problem with this series is the fact that it tries to, and this sort of ties in with writing as well, this kind of weaves into that a little bit, it tries to be a little bit more dramatic than what it actually should be. There have been a number of episodes, and one of the episodes, I don't remember the exact name, but it was one that we had covered last month in our first half coverage where um, the actor who plays uh, Dan Moroboshi Ultra 7 takes his image to disguise himself in human flesh, that particular character ends up being trapped in a mine. And the easiest solution to that would have been for Moroboshi to turn into Ultra 7 and to burrow his way in to rescue the guy. Okay. But the problem with that episode is that it avoids that for whatever mm-hmm. reason. And I think the reason why it tries to do that is to tr- try to be more dramatic than what it actually should be because the, the the solution to the problem is already there. And as a result, that particular episode, I think, tries to placate more to an adult audience by saying, oh my gosh, this guy is trapped in a mind. What's going to happen? But you forget that hey, this guy can turn into a superhero. He could dig himself in there, take the guy out within no time. And the problem, as it ties into what I was saying a moment ago with the writing, the writing is meandering. It's very tedious as well. And uh, and I know that we, when we mentioned, when we were talking about that specific episode, that it should have been more or less the very first episode there because we didn't even, because 
you know, as far as watching this uh, ep- uh, entire series so far from the beginning, it looked, you know, it sort of felt like, oh, he's maybe, you know, some sort of uh, regular humanoid that didn't take on any form, that uh, that sort of thing, until that, when we get to that specific episode that he did take on uh, the image of this particular person that gets trapped in that uh mine there uh and this this is the first time when we hear about this whole situation when it gets close to uh the uh the middle of the entire series itself it just felt like things have been kind of uh scrambled around there and it's just and it's just also uh a good example that there's some sort of mismanagement on certain things. I don't know if they wanted to do it this way, but uh, just in my opinion, I'm, I'm not sure about Kent. I'm probably guessing he could be uh, uh, agreeing to what I'm saying on this is that they should have done uh, this episode, that episode as the very first episode and just kind of get things set up that way. Whereas in the actual first one, it just like he just comes out out of the middle of nowhere, thinking you know uh, <laughs> that we don't even really know much about uh, Dan's background from then on up until that particular episode. Well, and as I just wrote a note to you, I believe that episode came like 15, 16 episodes into the series by that point. And if you remember the last episode, if you go back and rewatch or re-listen to that episode, my final comments on that episode in particular, when we were going episode by episode, were that I was hoping we would get an episode or two very soon that really talked more about the origins of Moroboshi and Ultra 7 and why he was here. And it never came, and it never came, and it never came. And then finally it did. Like I said, I think it's like 16 episodes in mm-hmm. that they finally did this one. Um, and, and that's the thing. Like, I want to use an analogy here. And I think for anybody who's a sports fan, I think you'll understand this. It's like you have a team with exceptional talent, okay? Pick your sport. Okay, pick your sport. And you have a team where the majority of the players on your team are very talented enough to help you win a championship almost every year, okay? And you have a terrific head coach, okay? Mm-hmm. The head coach here is Eiji Tsuburaya, okay? And the rest of the team are like writers, and cinematographers, more or less the people behind the camera because they are truly the ones that really help to push this thing forward, right? The actors, Mm -hmm. yes, are very important, but if you don't have good directors, if you don't have good writers, none of that matters, okay? So the the players are the people who are behind the camera. And it's like, okay, the first handful of seasons you have, you are very competitive, you are in contention for championships. In fact, you even win a couple titles, okay? So that's like the first Ultraman series. You hit a home run, you're doing very well, you figured out a formula that's very successful. Mm-hmm. Okay, but then after a handful of seasons, okay, you get to a point where you have more or less the same core group of players, but a few different players here and there, but you have the same core group of players, and you have the same head coach, 
as well, okay? Right. But you begin to severely underperform. You get to a point where you still should be contenders. You still should be in championship games or series and potentially winning titles. But you don't even make it to the playoffs. You have all that talent and everything is wasted, okay? Mm Mm-hmm. That is what Ultra 7 is. Ultra 7 is that period within your dominant sports franchise where you have all this exceptional talent and great coaching that for whatever reason just isn't working. Okay? Mm -hmm. That's what Ultra 7 is. And again, I'm not saying every episode of Ultra 7 is terrible. That's not true. In fact, you go back to our last episode. I had a handful of episodes that I really enjoyed there. I'm going to have some episodes here that I really enjoyed. But as a whole, we have come to a point where we have covered more than half of the series at this point to where I am ready to say Ultra 7 is a failure. Ultra 7 is a failure. I'm looking right at the camera. Ultra 7 is a failure. Okay, and I hate to say that. I take no pleasure in saying that. I really don't. Because I love this stuff. As I gave a long... Uh, you know, rant last episode of why I love not just the genre, but this era in general of monster movies and stuff and uh, as a whole. Mm-hmm. I take no pleasure in seeing this. Okay. You are getting unfiltered views from me here. Ultra 7, I believe, is a complete and absolute failure across the board. By Okay. And that disappoints me. That saddens me dearly. Because I do love the original Ultraman. I love Ultra Q. And I've seen eight episodes of the series that comes after this. I think it's Leo. I think it's... No, it's uh, Return of Ultraman. Oh, Return of Ultraman. Well, I've seen eight episodes of Ultraman Leo. And the eight episodes of Ultraman Leo I saw, I loved. Yeah. And I know I've uh, watched uh, Leo when it was on Crunchyroll, which I think it still is, about uh, close to um, maybe close to a decade ago, and uh, I can still remember uh, bits of it, but I know it was pretty good. Yeah, and in fact, now that I think about it, my son watched The Return of Ultraman over the summer of 2020 when the pandemic first started. I didn't catch most of the episodes, but I walked in and I caught some of the episodes, and from what I did see, it was pretty entertaining and pretty good. Okay, that's not my official opinion, because like I said, I haven't really seen enough to really say definitively uh, about this series. But... That tells me something went haywire with this particular series. And as I stated in the previous podcast when we covered the first half of the series, I'm okay with doing something new. I am the advocate that's always saying, look, you got to change things up every once in a while to make your character or your franchise relevant to a new generation or two. I have no problems with that. The problem comes with Ultra 7 in that... First and foremost, they have no idea what their target audience is, and they still don't. We're two-thirds of the way into the series, and I'm saying right now, they still have no idea what they're trying to do in terms of which audience they're talking about. Or trying trying to at least target, like, episode by episode, because it seems like while watching this, I've uh, seen at least maybe one episode that was geared towards more adults, and then the next episode, yeah. it was more towards kids and then 
maybe one of the other episodes later it'd be maybe a mixture or something it just yeah uh, it just felt like uh they're just trying to experiment with uh what would work best but um it just sort of made things a little bit of a mess and kind of uh messed some of the stuff up well, like you said, they're experimenting. We just got done covering up to episode 39. By this point, you should not even be experimenting with anything. You should have a clear-cut idea of what you're doing by this point. And like I was seeing a little bit ago, I think part of the problem is they're trying to straddle that horse of trying to satisfy both the younger and the adult audiences. And as a result... They tend to fail more times than they said. And then they should have had like some sort of rating system for TVs back in back in those days. And they should have. And if they did, they should have, uh, you know, you know, examined those pretty heavily to see which uh, which episode worked, which one did not. And they should have came up with a conclusion by then to know what specific target they should target towards here's the thing this series was a major success in the ratings though in a general sense this series surprisingly enough was a major success but then again we have to remind ourselves this was the late 60s okay Mm -hmm. it's not like today i am almost willing to bet if this series were on today it would be more down the middle at best And that's what infuriates me about this series. What I find to be so intriguing about Ultra 7 is that the problems it has are easily fixable. However, the enigmatic part of Ultra 7 is why those problems continue to persist by and large throughout the entire series. Like I said, most TV shows when they're new tend to have a rough period because they're just trying to figure themselves out. Mm. And then usually after a set amount of episodes, they figure themselves out and away they go. This series I think suffers from bad leadership and I know a lot of people out there listening to this who just heard what I just said are saying to themselves oh my gosh you just criticize not just the writers of Ultra 7 but you also criticize Eiji Tsuburaya yeah so what here's the thing Name your favorite director, author, uh, musician, band, artist, whomever, okay? Is every single piece of work he, she, or they do, is it always a success in your eyes? Do they occasionally have some setbacks? I'm a Stephen King fan. I like, by and large, most of his books. Here's the thing, though. When I read the book Revival, going on six, seven years ago now, 
I thought the first half of it was incredible, but I thought the ending sucked. And in fact, I got rid of that book. <laughs> I said, the first half is spectacular. The buildup, the character work is incredible. But the way it ends was just terrible. It's not just because it didn't end the way that I thought it would. It's because the book set up certain expectations and character work that it could not match in that third act and final act. And not every piece of work that Stephen King writes is good. I will freely admit that, and I'm a King fan. Okay. Like I said, I didn't really, in the whole scheme of things, didn't care much for a revival. I liked the first part, but then when I got towards the end, I said, none of this paid off. None of it mattered. Um, think of anybody, okay? Not everybody's perfect. I'm not perfect. Jason's not perfect. Or maybe maybe you're a sports team. Like, for me, for instance, I'm a Browns fan. I've I've always enjoyed that team <laughs> for a long time, but you make yourself an easy target. <laughs> yeah, but recently, but recently, when it comes down to the whole uh, watch Watson situation that's uh, happened recently, not not I didn't quite care much for it. You know, <laughs> I'm not going to dive more into it, but. <laughs> Look, nobody's. What I'm saying is nobody's perfect. Just because someone created one or several masterpieces at some point doesn't mean that they don't have stinkers along the way. That's fine. I still love King. If Stephen King were with me here right now, I'd be like, "Look, dude, like revival really wasn't like you had good character work. You had a good setup in the first half of your revival book, but you didn't really pay it off that well in the final act. And here's why." I still love King. Okay? I love Asia Superai. I think Asia Superai has done fantastical work for the genre. But when it comes specifically to Ultra 7, other than the effects, because like I... <laughs> puberty. <laughs> other than the effects work, which I have stated before, I think the effects work is a significant improvement from Ultraman. The, the, the writing is bad. As you and I talked about in the previous episode, and this continues into the 14 episodes we're going to discuss here. We will get to those, I promise. One of the big problems with this series is that it refuses, more times than not, to get to the point of its story. It likes to meander. It likes to putz around. Like that cave episode we were talking about where the inspiration for Dan Moriboshi was trapped in a cave. And we're sitting here going, the solution is simple. Turn into Ultra 7, get the guy out. Mm-hmm. But instead, they chose to meander and try to build drama in a story that didn't really need it. Okay? Because... The problem was so much smaller than the solution. Right. And as I stated before, I would be okay if they decided to go ahead and to do 
multiple parts for a story. For example, anyone who is familiar with the original 1966 Batman series will know that, especially through the first two seasons, each storyline had two parts to it. Okay? You had your first part that introduced your villains and their heist and whatever scheme they were running. Batman and Robin would kind of come in, you know, kind of sort of succeed on a small level, but then end up getting trapped by the villain. And then it would be same, you know, come back next week, same bad time, same bad channel. And then it would end. The second part was about them escaping in very goofy cartoonish ways, but a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> From said trap that the villain set up, and then they would go about trying to find the villain, and then they would ultimately succeed, right? Mm-hmm. This series, we are 39 episodes into it. There have only been, I think, two if not three storylines that have been multi-parts. I think probably two, but I know once I, I know at the very I know at the very end of chapter 39 was the beginning true, of yes. part one of two. So we're looking at three at least so far. So I'm okay with story buildup, but you got to pay it off. The problem with Ultra 7 is that more times than not, they spend all this time on unnecessary buildup to a conclusion that is way too fast, way too whiplash inducing, way too tidy. And I think the buildup. And I think at times. uh, at times it does just doesn't seem like it's uh, like quite finished up yet. No, and and look, I mean, I could go on for hours on this. There are so many problems with this series, uh, and I'm trying to do the best I can to wrap it up in as small of a package as possible. But another problem, and I brought this up last podcast too. One of the biggest issues I have with this series as well is the character work is pitiful. The character work is awful. One of the things that I loved about Ultraman was that each and every character at some point had one or several episodes devoted to them that began to expand upon who they were. And even then, even some of those episodes that were not character centric most episodes tended to involve everybody and part of that was the fact too that your cast was smaller here the cast is larger but still they made time over a span of 39 episodes in Ultraman to include stories that included each and every single character once twice or more along the way so therefore as a result you got to become intimately more um uh 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 uh, um i just blanked out what's the word Uh, um more understanding i guess of said characters right Mm -hmm. part of the problem here is that you got a few more characters but here's the deal though too Sure, you have more characters here in Ultra 7. However, this series runs an extra 10 episodes longer than Ultraman, okay? There's no rhyme or reason why these characters still should not have more character-centric episodes. The series, at least up to the 39 episodes that we've covered so far, have kind of flirted with that. They have sort of kind of teased you on the level of, yeah, we, we may cover... Soga or this other character or Anne or what have you 
here. Ultimately, no, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to focus on some other off-screen character for this story that is never going to be a part of the main cast in the first place. Mm -hmm. I don't have a problem with that, but if you're going to do that, you follow the Ultraman formula. I don't mind if you bring an outside character in, but you need at the bare minimum one inside character, one recurring character as a part of that story. And other than Dan Moraboshi, this series does not follow through on that. It's always Dan Moraboshi. Okay. And Anne is very rarely involved when she is. I hate to say this, but she is relegated to a stereotypical female role of like you need to be the caretaker other she's not like was it ito was it ito in ultraman the female character i believe i believe so let me just quickly look it up here um yeah jason will look that up here but that character had at least several episodes where she was able to show strength. She was able to show that she could hold her own amongst the male-dominated Ultra Squad there at the Science Patrol. And Anne is... Yes. It's it's, uh, Akiko. Akiko, okay. Anne is relegated to the stereotypical female role of being a caretaker. We were 39 episodes in, and I still do not know as much about the rest of this Ultra Guard than I did about the Science Patrol. At this point, by this point in Ultraman, the series was done. I knew what the characters were. I knew what they stood for. I knew what their personalities were. We're 39 episodes into a 49-episode series of Ultra 7, I still have no idea who most of these characters are. And and just to kind of expand on that, and we were talking about uh, like one of the episodes just recently. Um, I know that we're going to be talking about it here soon. If I can um, just... Okay, it's uh, episode 36, which is called A Lethal Point One Seconds. I'm not sure if it's... Uh, titled the same as yours this is kind of the one that uh, sort of focuses on soga in his you know kind of his uh, shooting techniques and all that yeah and it was supposed to be sort of uh kind of focused on him but as you mentioned that it just seemed as, as further as you go into this episode he just sort of gets replaced you know, by some of the other cast members, particularly mostly with Dan. Either that or they bring in these outside characters that are sort of the driving factors of an episode, which is fine. But the problem is, is that more times than not, they're the only driving force and that the other characters within the Ultra Guard are never involved. By the way, I have to use the restroom. I need you. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, there's not much that um, I can go off here uh, for the time being while he's uh, taking a restroom. Uh, just kind of transition here until he comes back. But, um, yeah, I'll just kind of take uh, this uh, time to as far as uh, where you can find us uh, on uh, online. Uh, you can find us 
on the uh, live streaming platforms such as uh, YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and DLive as well. And uh, we also have a, a audio version of the podcast. Uh, you can find us at uh, Apple uh, Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, t- uh, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn as well. And you can also find us uh, uh, at our own website at uh, DaikaijuNetwork.com where you can find the our uh, live stream via Twitch there. And you can find a lot of our uh, audio versions of the podcast on uh, our website uh, as well. So, um, yeah, with that, uh, as far as uh, Ultra 7, um, yeah, I, I'm not going to be really surprised that uh, – when we finish up the final 10 episodes uh, later next month that we're going to be uh, having basically the uh, same amount of uh, views and that sort of thing. And I think um, with that too, that uh, nothing is going to really change. But um, I think uh, once he gets back here, which he is here, and I'll just switch over back. Um, Yeah, I think when it comes to probably the only upside uh, to these uh, 14 episodes that we've watched is that we don't get the long extended scenes of the Hawk 1 or Hawk 2 games. getting ready to uh, take off and all that, like what we've seen the first half, the first 25 episodes. Okay. Can you catch me up on, on <laughs> what you Well, I I didn't really do much except just uh, kind of uh, do a little bit of housekeeping since I didn't do that earlier. <laughs> oh, but, okay. But yeah, I just mentioned about as far as the upside to the 14 episodes that we didn't get the long extended scenes of Hawk 1 and Hawk 2 getting ready to take off like what we've seen the first 25 episodes. Okay. Um, you know, I, you know, we've gone on for almost, an, you know, like 50 minutes about kind of the general criticisms and why I think Ultra 7 doesn't work. I... At the at this very moment, I can't think of anything else I can add um, because I think some of it we repeated from the last episode, and I think now we're just kind of reinforcing that okay, we're far enough into the series now that we can definitively say that this is now <laughs> an endemic problem with this series, um, and, and just kind of hammering home the fact that Ultra Seven, sadly. And I mean, I mean, I'm I, again. I I'm gonna sound like a broken record. I take no pleasure in saying that this is a bad bad show by and large. There's some good episodes in here. I talked about some of it last episode. I'm gonna talk about a few good episodes here too. But this, across the board, is not a good series. And, and that saddens me because I do like these characters. I like Tokusatsu. I like Subaraya. I think, though, for Subaraya, this is a failure. And, and, and I'm someone who has seen a bunch of TV series, thousands of films, uh, was someone who wrote a lot in college and studied, uh, you know, story structure and all that stuff. 
the, the, you know, the one thing about Ultraman, Ultraman was not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but it knew what it was and it ran with it. This series through 39 episodes still is playing Jekyll and Hyde and can't make up its mind. So you, you want to say something? Yeah, I was going to say that since we've basically been uh, criticizing uh, this thing for about uh, 50 minutes, um, maybe we should start uh, diving in as far as these well, yeah, individual episodes go. That, so, like, unless you, Yeah, I, I, and again, like everybody knows, because like we said on the top of this podcast, if, if you're a fan of the series, it'd probably be best for you to avoid all of this. But, I, I, and again, I, I take no pleasure in this. I don't. I don't. Because when Jason and I announced that we were going to cover this, I think some of the last things you heard us say on some of those podcasts were like, oh, this is going to be fun. Can't wait to go through it. And then we started going through it. And then our memories started floating back. We're like, oh shit, that's right. This actually wasn't that good. Like, you know, we're not playing contrarians for the sake of being contrarians. We're like, no, there's some serious problems. There are some things to like, and I've said them all the way along. Like, I still think the effects work across the board is better than what you're going to see in Ultraman. Mm-hmm. Just like Shin Godzilla. I hate the movie, but I've always said, I think the effects work in that movie is incredible. Otherwise, mm-hmm. the rest of the movie sucks. Like, it can burn in hell for all I care. <laughs> but anyway, let's get into some of the nitty-gritty episodes. Uh, I had covered one episode, according to my notes here, that you didn't cover. Uh, so, Jason, just kind of your general thoughts on was episode 26, I believe it is. Yeah, and, called, uh, uh, yeah called Super Weapon R1, according to my notes. And, yeah, when it comes to this one, we're... Uh, uh, TDF or Terrestrial Defense Force uh, builds a planetary attack weapon called R1, and then of course there's R2, and I think there's gonna make an R3. But as far uh, when it comes to uh, the progression of the story, they tested R1 on a planet which supposed to have no life forms on it. Uh, however, it did, and then. Uh, then came Starben, uh, was a Gairon, uh, attacks, uh, some, uh, some, uh, place like out of nowhere where there was no life and, uh, they bombed it, uh, went to pieces, but then came back together and then had, uh, uh, damn Moriboshi turn into Ultra 7 and defeat, uh, was it Star Bem Gairon? Uh, when it came to uh, this one, it just felt like, uh, you know, when the scientists say that there was no uh, life form, I mean, you know, with the technology back then, but I don't know as far as the uh, Toho science that we sort of call it or dub it, um, they should have had. <laughs> Super science, whichever. Um, they probably should have had, uh, I mean, they probably had maybe, according to this series, that they should have had far superior uh, type of technology to detect if there was uh, life on the supposed uh, planet that didn't have life on it. But uh, someone, you know, screwed up and there was life. And. I don't know what they use. I mean, they should have gotten something better. 
Who knows? And and then also <laughs> that's, that's the tagline for the whole series. They should have gotten something better. <laughs> that's and the then for all something better. <laughs> and then to just I mean it, the whole kind of theme for this episode is as far as you know if you're using weapons you know, as destructive as our one that can destroy a planet, you should make sure that there's life on it before testing things. There, and it's kind of also reminiscent to, you know, the whole atomic bomb sort of thing that happened a couple decades uh, beforehand, but it just felt like they just didn't learn their lessons from that whole uh, thing when trying to test these uh, planetary destructive weapons and it just kind of made things like sort of arrogance (laughs) sort of thing or ignorance and yeah it's I don't know I just sort of uh, gave this one I originally had this as a 4 out of 10 but then now thinking about this a little bit more maybe more or less 3 <laughs> so what? I don't get it that's okay you don't have to get it alright so we're gonna continue on with Operation Cyborg uh, I'm just gonna give my overall thoughts and then sort of a letter grade that I had assigned uh, to each episode which is something I I am continuing from the last time we covered uh, the first half of the series. Operation Cyborg, overall a slightly interesting story that suffers again due to ponderous storytelling that can't move at a more reasonable pace. The final confrontation is mildly interesting, but again, the alien is dispatched via decapitation. Hey, aliens, have some neck protection and you'll be fine. Grade, I give it a D. So what was your what was your grade for episode 26? I don't know. I'd have to bring up my old notes because that was something I had covered uh, the last episode because, like I said, I had miscounted. But, um, yeah, for my grade, as far as uh, this um, episode 27 goes, uh, I think it was a bit decent for me. So I was kind of in the middle of the road on this uh, 5 out of 10. Damn, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The 700-kilometer run. Or uh, sprint 700-kilometer. Is... I forgot. We're going to have this again. <laughs> uh, this is the tank dinosaur, and holy smokes, it's so stupid, but I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, this is so stupid that, that it's fun. I know. I... Um, you know, when I saw that, I was like, Kent's probably going to make fun of this one here. Well, it's it's one of those that's so stupid that you can't help but to love it. I've got some points on it, but again, because we've already been at this for almost an hour, I'm just going to give final thoughts on a grade. Um, by and large, it was a pretty boring episode until Tank Dinosaur showed up. The final <laughs> battle is quite fun. Just for having Tank Dinosaur in a decent final battle, I'll give this episode a grade that's actually a bit better than it deserves. A great B, otherwise I'd most likely receive something along the lines of a D. (laughs) (laughs) A dinosaur opted from a D to a B. Yeah, for me, uh, the whole whole racing aspect, just to try to transport this highly explosive liquid called Spiner, 
and just watching this episode, it just... It, it's, for some reason, it just didn't make sense. It was just sort of out of place, particularly when it comes to this dino tank uh, towards the end of it. it I don't know. It, it felt like it was, sort, it was just a mess. This episode is the absolute epitome of what this stupid series is about in that it doesn't know and it doesn't care in the worst way. <laughs> It's like, hey, let's just slap a damn dinosaur on top of a tank and we'll call it good. And I'm like, holy shit, that is entertaining. But at the same time, considering what you've done before and what you will continue to do is complete and absolute bullshit. I have no idea what you're trying to do. And as a result, you are fucking infuriating me. And I just, this episode is a trigger episode for me. Okay. Like, why don't you become something like Ultraman, where you are just goofy as all hell, and you just stick with that. You just stick with that. Instead, you're just like, no, let's create drama. Let's do something for adults here. And instead, uh, uh, I mean, that's the solution to this whole thing. Well, and what I was trying to get to before you interrupted me is that um, is that they were they were trying to focus on a particular thing in certain episodes like for this example that they were trying to do something when it comes to racing uh, and that sort of thing and trying to do something a little bit creative and then once you kind of get towards the end all of that's just thrown out the window and it's just that theme is basically not used again and, and instead it's just you you just bring in some sort of random thing with dino tank <laughs> you have just said two very important things over the two episodes we've talked about here that I think perfectly summarize this entire series one is it threw it out the window and another <laughs> <laughs> is that it deserves something better. <laughs> and look, I, on a small level, I'm being funny about this, but overall, those words exactly describe this series. It throws it out the window and it deserves something better. <laughs> and like... That that's something you need to put on this video. That's something that you need to put like on every tagline, on every graphic, on our website, or wherever this stuff goes for Ultra Ultra Seven. Is that it? It deserves something better than it out the window. I mean, I mean. That's the perfect encapsulation of this whole stupid series. It just... And I know we've talked about it ad nauseum already, but as we get into these episodes, it just begins to remind me more in specifics of why this series just is so infuriating. It just... So, um, with that... Uh... As far as my rating on this one, I probably would have uh, gave it a lower rating, but since with this whole dino tank thing, it's just thrown in there and just sort of looks cool. 
in a ways, I'll at least give it a 4 out of 10. <laughs> That's not even a C grade. <laughs> <laughs> all right, the next episode, The Forsaken Earthman. Or or The Earthling All I Alone. I keep forgetting. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, who really cares anymore at this point? <laughs> Despite some head-scratching moments, the episode is decently entertaining. We get, we get to Seven fighting the protein alien early in the episode, and the protein design is really unique. The fight is okay, but the battle ends in a very anticlimactic and swift conclusion. It's decent, better than most recently. I gave it a C plus. Yeah, this, and I don't know why my notes here that now that I'm seeing it, why it calls Soga Soda, <laughs> but um, auto correct. <clears throat> yeah, this is one where you have uh, Soga meeting up his uh, fiance uh, at this uh, university, and. Uh, and he had this, uh, uh, oh, a uh, professor who's basically a spy for this, uh, uh, alien. And, uh, it's just a really sort of a weird episode, but at the same time, it's a, it's a pretty decent one. Um, yeah, like what Ken says, it's pretty anticlimactic, uh, towards the end. Um, with this one, I'll, I'll give it a, I'll give it a five out of 10. All right here. So the next episode, whom takes the glory or glory for whom? Oh, for people. <laughs> really? That's the change. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. A haphazard, incomplete story with terrible characterization, no motives by either Aoki or the alien invaders. A pretty paltry entry to the series, which is like much of what we've seen so far. I gave it enough. <laughs> uh, for this one, Aoki was a bit annoying, just trying to take, uh, you know. You know, try to do better over uh, Dan Oroboshi and all that. And I'm not... It doesn't really say why uh, Aoki was more or less uh, jealous or something uh, towards Dan and and does, uh, you know, puts a signal on Megma Rider to... Uh, exactly. <laughs> to... To be stolen by the other side, and uh, yeah, although some of the story is pretty good, but not good. Um, <laughs> as far as about it, there. <laughs> but um, overall, I'd probably give it a better rating than Kent. Uh, I would say a six out of ten. So that's like roughly a C plus. Okay. The next episode, The Devil Who Dwells in a Flower. Or The Flower Where the Devil Dwells. All right. <laughs> Another episode where much of what happens only takes place as a result of there being no real story to tell. The epidemic of elongated setups where there are no real consequences to what happens to anyone continues. An F. <laughs> <laughs> this one here, I kind of uh, sort of like because it has, you know, kind of this. Whenever you smell the flower, 
um, it sort of turns people into vampires a little bit, and it, to where that uh, they uh, need blood uh, for themselves whenever they get uh, more or less deficient in it. So, as far as this one goes, I'm a little bit more lenient than Kent is. As far as this one goes, I I would at least give it a, a four out of ten. That's still enough, as far as I'm concerned, because it's below fifty percent. All right, the Wandering Planet. Uh, the Strolling Planet. Even though it's not a planet, spoiler. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. Another episode that suffers from incomplete writing. The sin this episode commits is the sin of not exploring interesting ideas further and using exposition to tell the audience what is happening, even if the characters delivering the exposition are only bringing it up as a possible theory as to what's going on. The kaiju battle is fun and sort of makes up for another irritating episode that simply will not let its audience to the fun aspects as it proposes to bring. I gave it a D+. Uh, with this one, the whole title for this episode is basically misleading because all it is is a flying island, not a planet. <laughs> and and the, another the one, reason why this series is problematic. <laughs> and the other thing that's a downer too is that you don't have have uh, any of the other maybe aliens or something of that. It's an unmanned flying island, yeah. and the only thing that you get out of this is the uh, the kaiju. Uh, towards the end yeah. of it, and and, yeah. and it's just basically it it just it's just a let downer. So for me, a three out of ten. Well, that may even be lower than the grade I gave it. All right, here, uh, the dead invaders, or the invading dead. Oh, for God's <laughs> <sakes>. <laughs> like you just switch a w- couple of words around. Holy. Crap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Much of this episode was very enjoyable and suspenseful. The accompanying music was a delight as well. However, like so many episodes, too much time is spent building up to a climax that never really pays off. For the umpteenth time in this series, we really don't get to see the alien inv- invaders, nor do we get more of their motives. Sure, world domination is the most likely scenario, but to not have the aliens at the very least talk to the heroes is very plain and not so great. The final battle in space was too dark, and I found it difficult to figure out just exactly what was going on half the time. A decent episode, but sadly it still lacks quite a bit. C-. minus. This one is pretty good with uh, kind of bringing in the, the whole zombie aspect, although... I'm not really much of a fan of zombie shows Neither or movies of that. I've only seen up to, was it uh, the second uh, Resident Evil movie from back in the early 2000s? Really? And all that. So, um, but when it comes to this one, it's all right for what it is. When it comes to like these, uh, the Showa era uh, type of shows or movies, when, it, when they sort of involve zombies and all that, they're pretty good. In my perspective, so with this one, it's pretty good. But then um, mixing in with aliens and stuff, trying to control them, it's all right. But we don't see the invaders and all that. 
I mean, what's what's the point <laughs> of it? But when it comes overall, it's a pretty decent one. So I'm more in the middle of this one. So five out of ten. Again, this is one of those where it could have served either from simply uh, better storytelling or a multi-parter. Mm-hmm. And again, one of the most confounding things about the series is that they're easy fixes. But why that why they didn't go with those easy fixes is the most baffling thing of all. Uh, you know. By the way, the rest of the Resident Evil series is pretty. Part three is a slight boring letdown. The ending is great, but the rest of the movie meh. But the rest of the series is a lot of fun. Think of it as like a mutation type of series. It's it's pretty fun. All right, uh, the Vanishing City. Same. Okay. You owe me a series. The series has had some confusing, if not downright bad, themes attached to it. One of those themes that stands out most to me is the being wary of your neighbors. But this episode seems to highlight one of the bigger problems with this series and what I had occasionally seen with Ultraman, which was xenophobia. This show has it more in space considering that alien centric alien centric in where the villains come from. It's not always as present in other episodes, but it's always there. Here the humans are actually in the wrong when they do trespass onto the alien land. Sure, again some arguments could be made about that as well as the aliens taking people as hostages. But I've seen other sci-fi movies and shows where humans end up on an alien planet and do something similar, and we're always portrayed in the right in those instances. It's hypocritical, to say the least. Nevertheless, this episode, despite its bad theme, is fairly entertaining. The miniature work is some of the best so far, and I enjoy the kaiju. Its cry reminds me of Gilala. It's a decent episode, despite a terrible theme. I gave it a C. Uh, this one was... Um Okay, the uh, the fight uh, between the uh, the kaiju and Ultra Seven. It was a bit odd, in a yeah. way for me. Um, but yeah, the miniatures and stuff were pretty good. Uh, the story of it is meh, to say the least. Um, I originally gave this a four out of ten, but then now thinking about this a little bit more. I probably would at least give it, um, I would say a 6 out of 10. A little bit higher than I gave it. All right, Whore on the Moon. Or Lunar Whore. <laughs> oh, what you said. <laughs> <laughs> Your laugh there. Because <laughs> I know that you, were try- that you were thinking that way. I wasn't until you actually said it. All right. A mildly amusing episode that doesn't fully pay off in the end. I found some elements of the story, including its pacing, to be a bit confusing and difficult to follow for some reason. The final kaiju battle has to be one of the longer ones, and that's something I can appreciate, considering I have found that area to be a significant lacking during the whole series up to this point. The episode is not as interesting as it should be, but it's not the worst episode either. I gave it a C+. This one... Yeah, it's it's a pretty good one. We're just kind of uh, where you have this alien that's uh, wanting revenge and all that, and uh, basically copies of one of the people just sort of like uh, 
Ultra 7, but more in a uh, sinister sort of uh, plot in order to uh, get revenge on uh, Kurata and the captain uh, himself from three years ago of what happened uh, here. And uh, yeah, it's a pretty good one. Uh, more human centric in a way, uh, as far as the story goes. Um, I would say for this one, a five out of 10. Okay. Uh, the point one second kill. Uh, my final thoughts on this one are a bit longer than most, so bear with me here. Uh, an episode that is more reminiscent of a James Bond movie than a science fiction show. It's mildly entertaining, but gets in its own way to try to, of trying to be entertaining to an older audience by referencing Bond movies fairly heavily. On that front, it's fine, but we're here for science fiction fare. There's a unique twist on the Bond story by making the Pegasus alien to be one pushing the levers of control, obviously. It's sort of a fun twist at that, but the episode still suffers from a lack of the Pegasus itself and getting more directly involved with its plan. Uh, what's even more baffling is the idea of an artificial sun. Why is it something that needs to be created? The actual sun is just fine and looking to last another few billion years at least before imploding. So the possible idea of using it to replace the sun isn't a, re isn't a reasonable idea. We're never told why this is a project that needs to move forward and it falls in line with the frustrating storytelling I've been talking about throughout the series. This would be something I could go along with if the series was more willing to be a goofy kid show like Ultraman or provided even a slightly reasonable explanation but it doesn't do either one and i'm left unfortunately needing to be uh, more critical of this series than i would like it's an okay episode but still suffers some of the major ongoing effects of what what stripped this show from the very beginning i gave it a d yeah and this is the one that i mentioned about uh earlier it's uh for mine it's, uh, it's called a lethal point one seconds um, and this is where it's supposed to mainly focus on uh, Soga, but then just kind of veers off from his uh, whole uh, story line as you uh, go further in uh, to watching this episode. And yeah, it has that uh, James Bond vibe uh, to it um, with obviously, of course, science fiction and uh, 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 mixed in with it uh, yeah it's it's not really a good one as you go further into watching the episode so um, with that I'm going to give this one a 3 out of 10 alrighty so next one up is the stolen ultra eye um, I had only made one other note other than my final thoughts I have to say this one note because I think it's very important uh, the girl looks like she's having sex as the camera's close up on her while she's dancing so <laughs> I mean seriously didn't you think that considering how it's shot <laughs> not really no by the way, is pornography. Um, <laughs> letter grade. The standard world domination slash destroy the earth storyline has finally run its course with me with this show. I think a lot of that has to do with the show not living up to what came before with Ultraman and the writing being more times not incredibly lackluster that refuses to make most episodes remotely exciting. 
there are other ways to approach this extraterrestrial plot device as well if they were willing to explore it more. Instead of world destruction or domination, the writers could have used, uh, excuse me, could have looked at potential stories of alien races wishing to live with the humans side by side. They could do this via secretly or coming out and asking for permission. There could be a story about an alien refugee who's been living amongst humanity for a while and has been doing so peacefully. This alien has even contributed worthwhile talents and abilities to assist humanity and even nature. There are numerous ways that this could be done, but the writers for Ultra 7 refused to partake in that and instead have resorted to an easier yet incredibly xenophobic take. It's rather embarrassing, really. I've complained a lot about the writing for this series and still maintain that is one of the top two reasons why this series overall suffers and is completely and it's a complete mess at points. That and the inability to settle on the tone they wish this show to take is another reason why it's been such an abysmal experience as a viewer. Getting back to this particular episode again, so much more could have uh, been had here if the writers had decided to try and not get pretty with the story or to have told it over multiple episodes. Instead, it's all built up with a fast and very unsatisfying conclusion where the writers realize, oh shit, at this point we need to wrap it up. And so it's an ending on it with sense of with a sense of messaging or base entertainment value. Just another shitty ultra sub, sadly. <laughs> a great F. <laughs> uh, for some reason I can just imagine you just typing that. <laughs> very just I, I at this point I was angry with the series and I sort of knew that was coming but I kept sort of hoping we would get better and we just reached that point in this series for me where I was just like nope done <laughs> well, as far as this episode goes I think I'm a little bit better um, as far as grading this one and as far as the story goes, yeah, um, it's kind of your typical, you know, alien coming in from a different planet and, uh, you know, trying to invade. Although she was sort of manipulated by her higher ups that they weren't going to do anything, but then later on, uh, that they basically betrayed her. As far as you know, them not going to invade and that they were going to pick her up and all that stuff too. Once their mission, her mission was over for a particular thing, which was stealing the ultra eye. And you can tell that she sort of flipped when it goes towards the end. And then, um, when Dan said that you can live here and all that, but then uh, towards the end, she just decided to, uh, in her life, <laughs> Basically, and uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what's with you right now? But um, she did look like she was having sex when she was on the But uh, but this one, I think it it was pretty decent as far as the story goes. So I'm going to be a little bit more lenient on this one, and so I'm giving this one a six out of ten. You disappoint me. <laughs> you disappoint me with all of your shit. <laughs> I, I make this funny. The courageous battle. Same. 
motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Despite some of my criticisms, this episode is one of very few that spends the right amount of time on setup and gets to the heart of the story. The miniatures are gorgeous, extensive, and numerous. I enjoyed the battles immensely. With all that said, the Osamu subplot is nothing more than a crutch that adds nothing substantive to the overall narrative. There is no message to be had there. I think the writers were hoping it would raise the stakes, but it is a flimsy reason to try and get Dan to commit to both Osamu at the time of his operation and to fight the robot at the same time. It fails in this regard. If there was a stronger message with the Osama story, then it would have paid off. But as it stands, it's nothing more than unnecessary filler. With that said, this is without question one of the strongest, if not the strongest episode of the second half thus far, and one of the better better ones overall. I gave it an A minus. Wow, that's a little bit higher than I expected <laughs> of that one. Um yeah, this I, I'm just giving a you know a spoiler alert here. I knew this coming in, and I'm just going to say now because we're close to the end of covering this slate of episodes. I the, the final couple episodes here got strong uh, uh, ratings for me. Yeah, this one was uh, pretty good in its own right, um, and and I like how they. Uh, the terrestrial defense force set up traps uh, for the robot or for this whole uh, alien race that's using this giant robot to uh, collect cars. They didn't exactly say why yeah, uh, for, no, that, that's, that's for that particular bottle, reason. <laughs> that's that's the only uh, sort of uh, uh, argument that I have on this one is that what's the what's the real reason why they're collecting all these cars um that should have probably been one of the main things <laughs> as far as this uh, story goes um yeah uh i can see the the whole uh osamu and the heart surgery sort of thing being uh a bit unnecessary there. I mean, they probably could have done something a little bit better. There you go. Um, but overall, yeah, it's a pretty decent one. So I'm going to give this one a seven out of 10. All right. And the final one we're covering in this slate, the seven assassination plan part one, another episode where the setup is brief and we get right to the story, the guts, talk about an interesting name, aliens, are amazingly fun as they look like oversized turkeys. Their name is even a lot of fun. I enjoy the Guts plan and coming after Ultra 7 the way they do, and we get quite a bit of action here. There isn't much to say here other than it's a fun episode that has me anticipating its finale. These last two episodes are what the writers of the series should have been doing all along. Although I could have done without the Christ imagery of Ultra 7 as a fun episode, and I gave it an A-. minus. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of, um, in agreement, uh, with what, uh, Kent said, uh, they're trying to come, uh, with the alien guts, trying to come up with a, uh, plan to defeat, uh, Ultra 7, which, I mean, it's sort of easy to understand how to defeat him after a lot of the episodes, from what we've seen up to this point. And 
And I mean, with the other aliens, they sort of had something a bit similar as far as uh, technology and disappearing, transporting from one place to another. I mean, that's sort of, un- you know, not surprising in a way because we've seen other aliens do the same thing in previous episodes. <laughs> and Ultraman eventually defeated them in the end without having two parts like this one does. Um, so it's sort of basically rehashing some of the same things, but just kind of adding a little bit of story, trying to intrigue it. Uh, but overall still the same thing from what we've seen before. So I'm going to give this one a five out of 10. All right. So we do it. Do we want to go into final thoughts on this show up to this point? I think we sort of, covered it before <laughs> going over okay, the 14 well, episodes so okay well if you're not going to i will because i did write something up here um by and large the series continues to have a lot of the same issues that plagued it during the first half it attempts to have it both ways by trying to appeal to both adults and children such a task is rarely successful when attempted and as we've stated constantly the series isn't capable of succeeding in that area as a result many of the stories have suffered the inability to see the error of their ways earlier and to go to a more Ultraman-esque type of storytelling has been excruciatingly frustrating to say the least. With that said, ending our current segment of co- covering the Ultra 7 series on a high note was very welcomed. These final two episodes are making me believe we could end the series on a high note, but I've been burned v- before by this series when I believe that it has turned a corner. I will believe it when I see it. Even if the series ends on some high notes, I believe it's still too late for Ultra 7. Sure, it'll help my overall impressions of the series a bit, but I've concluded that the series is, for the most part, a failure. At best, it'll improve near failure if the final 10 episodes are nearly as good as these final two are in our current segment. There are way too many episodes that are poorly written and lack any focus as to who its audience is. I take no glee in saying this. As we started our first episode on covering Ultra 7, I stated that my initial memories of this series were that it was still a good series. When memories came back to me, I began to realize that was not the case, and going through this series more times than not has been brutal. I am disappointed in this series, considering this era is my favorite in both Tokusatsu and Kaijuega. The fact, too, is this series comes on the heels of Ultraman doesn't give it any excuse to be as bad as it is. I don't mind trying new things, but if something doesn't work out within the first few episodes, then you need to try something else to revert to what worked in a prior series when applicable. I would be more forgiving of the series if it was the first of the Ultra Superhero franchise, but it isn't. Ultraman by and large did nearly everything better. The only area where Ultra 7 has succeeded more than Ultraman is the effects department. In conclusion, I can only hope the final 10 episodes are better in the hopes of trying to salvage some modicum of respect I typically have for this franchise. While I have my doubts considering how things have progressed so far, I am still hoping for the best. So. Okay. I I am not believing we're going to get any better, but... I'm... Yeah, I'm sort of that way too. After you know, having ten more episodes left. Yeah, I mean, you know, we we've covered, you know, just we've covered like sixty six percent of the series thus far, 
And it just seems like you get a, a sprinkling of chocolate chips throughout this giant turd. And it just isn't... It, it's been disappointing. And again, for the umpteenth time, I don't take any satisfaction in saying that this is a bad series. And it's been very disappointing in almost every area. And I, I just... There, like you said before, Jason, there's a reason why you haven't gone back to have seen this again up until now. And there's a reason why I haven't seen it. And the funny thing is, is that both you and I had said our memories of this series were that it was better than what it actually is. But even then, on a subconscious level, we sort of, I guess, knew that it wasn't that good. And it took us to forcing ourselves for the sake of completionist reasons for this podcast to sit down and to watch it. With that being said, I'm glad we're doing it now and not like the very last thing we ever, ever do on this podcast because it would be a very shitty way to end the series. And I'd be like, no, we're not ending the podcast on this note. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, it just... <clears throat> I have been... As my emotions have showed over these two episodes that we've done, I am very disappointed. I am very frustrated and angry with this series as well. But at the same time, I am deeply just saddened by the fact that this is where it went. And the fact that the the fixes for this series are so easy. And yet, for whatever strange and stupid reasons... The head honchos, and that includes Subaraya, decided not to make those fixes, even though they were easy fixes to make. Mm-hmm. And one could argue, yeah, again, because it is Japanese TV and the Japanese Motion Picture Association and all that, and maybe it was the same for television, where, like, come on, you got to like, like make stuff right now, right now, right now, right now. Sure, that may have been part of it, but at the same time, to me, that's a cop-out because you take a look at the Ultraman series and even Ultra Q before it, and I would argue both of those series had better episodes than they had bad episodes. Well, and then I one is just filled with bad episodes. Well, then I think, too, when it comes to Ultra Q, that was geared more towards the adults. Well, yes. With, well, with how that went, and then as far as Ultraman, they decided to go more towards uh, kids that way. But then it just seemed like that they were trying to blend in both audiences with Ultra 7 here. But like I have said for thousands of times, if that doesn't work then you go back to what does. And 39 episodes in, they have not fixed it. They have refused. It's a stubborn person. You keep telling them, look, your foot is getting shredded by this lawnmower over here. You need to take your foot out. And they're standing over there with their arms crossed going, no, it's not. No, it's not. Meanwhile, their foot is getting shredded by the lawnmower. I mean, it just... (laughs) Again, I know this isn't a popular opinion, But that's one of the things I love about our podcast is that we will give you truly what we think of something. And 
I can't, uh, again, like I said earlier, we came into this series thinking, this is going to be fun. We're going to enjoy this. And then we started, mm-hmm. and then you and I came together uh, before we even started recording, recording the last episode, and we're like, oh, dear God. Like, this was not what we had thought we were getting ourselves into. Like, it was, you and I, we just kind of looked at each other, and we were, and I mean, not in a silly way, we were kind of looking at each other like, this is horrible. Like, not just bad in that the series was bad, but it's bad in that something that we loved and cared about so deeply was indeed this bad. And you can't defend it. I don't think you can defend this series appropriately, except the fact that, okay, they tried, okay, so you get a star sticker for that. But a star sticker isn't going to, win you over an audience and mm. like I, I mean again there's still some good episodes sprinkled throughout the series but by and large it's a shit sandwich with a few sprinkles scattered amongst it and those sprinkles are few and far between and I, I just I'm disappointed I really am I, I just to be perfectly honest with you, and I think I may have even said this last month, I will be happy when this is over. This has not been a fun experience. It hasn't. And well, and then and then the thing too is that I I started watching these fourteen episodes this past week with a, a three three a day, pretty much during the weekday, except for uh, Tuesday because I was doing something more important um and then to today before we started this uh episode and and when i was thinking that when it gets to that time i'm just like i don't really feel like doing this but i just have to do it for the sake of you know for us uh reviewing it (laughs) it's it's gotten to that do it and it's and it's gotten to that point because i don't even remember me doing this a decade ago i i just for me when it when it was that time a decade ago i just you know flew right by these uh episodes just kind of binge watching them uh when i when i got this uh set when it was the shout factory version but yeah now it just it i'm just sort of more or less forcing myself to watch in these episodes. We have to because that's what we decided to do for this particular segment series of our podcast. So, and, yeah. and, when, and when I say forcing myself, it's it's not like the kind of, you know, the good kind of force. It's more or less kind of begrudgingly being forced into doing it. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I know. Well... <laughs> There were times in which I thought about messaging you over Facebook and like, look, dude, let's just make a quick like five, ten minute video and say, look, we're canceling the rest of this Ultra 7 series because it's just so damn stupid. And it's not it's really not worth anyone's time. It really isn't. And I thought to myself, I'm like, yeah, that probably would be the most honest way of doing it. But then at the same time, I think it's sort of in a roundabout way, not giving the series a full uh, 
shake at, at, as far as like watching it from beginning to end and really even a very brief like two second remark talking about some of the episodes and so I'm like okay we've already invested a lot of time getting through half the series as it is you know and we have more is and, and we just have 10 more episodes left so just might as well uh finish the rest of it in uh next month and then just move on from there yeah so at, really at this moment in time we're looking at uh april uh 23rd to wrap everything up here uh, as far as ultra 7 goes uh, we're not looking forward to it. Um, so, <laughs> uh, hopefully, though, maybe it ends on a better note than, than what these first two segments have. But with that being said, we'll come back April 9th. We will have a commentary. We have yet to figure out exactly what movie we're going to cover there. But we'll be back April 9th with a movie commentary. And otherwise, we will officially discuss the conclusion of the god-awful Ultra 7 franchise on April 23rd. <laughs> so with that, uh, thanks for watching. Uh, be sure to uh, like and follow uh, Daikaiju Network on... Uh, like us, even though you may have hated this. <laughs> <laughs> on, uh, social, on the social media platforms, uh, such as uh, uh, you can find us on uh, the streaming platforms like YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and DLive. And you can find our audio versions of the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. And you can uh, find everything all in one uh, at our own website at daikaijunetwork.com. All right. Thank you so much for listening and watching, and we will see you in a couple weeks. All right. We'll catch you guys on the flip side.